Father, we thank You that Your Son has called us friends. We desire to honor our Savior this day. Oh, Father, thank You for sending Your Son to save Your people from their sins. We glorify You. We worship You. We adore You. We bow before You in humble adoration and say thank You. You are our God, and we are Your people. Would You give us what we need this day, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you please open your Bibles to the 91st division of the Psalms? Psalm 91. Have you ever felt trapped, ensnared, caught by self or Satan or sin? Have you seen a strong man fall and thought, what hope is there for me? If that man can fall, what hope is there for me? Look there to Psalm 91. My Bible has no header indicating the author of this song as it does on many of the Psalms, but Jewish tradition has attached the Psalm to Moses. And the Septuagint has ascribed it to David. But who knows? God knows. We can assuredly say this, listen, the devil knows this psalm. For he quoted it when he tempted our Savior in the wilderness. And you'll see that in verses 11 and 12. The devil knows this psalm. And Jesus knows this psalm. For he quoted from it when the 70 disciples returned rejoicing. You'll see that in verse 13. So Jesus knows this psalm. It's a psalm rich in imagery. A psalm that has blessed Christ's church for millennia. And it's impacted secular culture being quoted by artists as diverse as Sinead O'Connor, Madonna, Jerry Garcia, John Michael Talbot. We'll take as our text a beautiful and evocative phrase, but before we do that, before we consider that phrase, I want to read the entire psalm. Please stand with me for the reading of Holy Scripture. The Bible says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. 
Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet, because he hath set his love upon me. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of Holy Scripture. You may be seated. What a beautiful psalm. What a beautiful messianic psalm. We'll take as our text this morning that beautiful and evocative phrase at the beginning of verse 3, where the lyric reads, Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. The Hebrew term that's translated snare here is pak, and it literally means bird trap, net, or snare. The Hebrew term that's translated deliver is not Saul. Probably a little more. Not Saul. And it means to tear away, to rescue, to recover, to deliver. Now, I said that the phrase before us this morning is evocative. It's evocative. It's a poetic phrase phrase intended to evoke a mental image in the mind of the singer. It's evocative. And think with me, what image does it evoke? What image does it evoke in your mind? Because there are at least a couple of images I can see that might come into your mind. You remember a while back I spoke to you from that text, Proverbs 22, 3, which teaches a prudent man foreseeth the evil, and hideth himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. You remember, we talked about that. So, hearing this evocative phrase, you might see an image of a bird detecting a trap in its path, seeing the net, observing the snare, and then avoiding it. Avoiding it. Stepping around it and passing by the danger unscathed. Maybe that's the image we see here. Maybe. But in my mind's eye, I see another very different image. And in that image, the bird has not detected, seen, nor observed the trap. No, the bird has stepped right into the middle of the snare. The bird has become enmeshed, entangled, ensnared, trapped, 
captured in the fowler's net. And then, then after the entrapment, after the capture, the unknown he, here in verse 3, intervenes and tears away, rescues, recovers, and delivers the ensnared bird. And I hope you see that second image is not an image of prudence. It's not an image of prudence and wise avoidment of entrapment. It's an image of reckless ensnarement and then of benevolent rescue. So which image is the right one? Which one is correct? Maybe both? Our God is mighty to deliver. By avoidance or by rescue, glory, glory to His name. He is mighty to deliver. The Bible teaches clearly that Christians will face opposition by the world as they seek to observe and obey the teachings of Jesus. Doesn't it? The great theologians of the Christian faith have pointed to three things as the primary enemies of our soul. Greek, ha cosmos, he sarks, kai ha diabolos. Latin, mundus caro et diabolus. The world, the flesh, and the devil. St. Peter exhorts us to caution, warning, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Now, Peter has just referenced shepherds and called the church of God a flock. So in the Petrine evocation here, the mental image is of a gentle lamb stalked by a roaring, ranging lion. A roaring lion that would consume and devour the gentle lamb. That's the Petrine image here. You know that the Bible is filled with evocative imagery, vivid evocative imagery. So, <laughs> Peter paints this image of a ravenous lion that would despoil the flock of God. And he warns, be watchful, be sober, be vigilant, be on guard. When Paul gives Timothy the qualifications for elders or bishops, he tells Timothy that they must have a good reputation among non-Christians, among those that are on the outside of the church. They have to have a good reputation with those people. Lest they fall 
into the snare of the devil. 1 Timothy 3, 7. In his next letter to Timothy, the great apostle instructs him not to be quarrelsome, but rather to be a gentle man. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, would grant them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. 2 Timothy 2, verses 25 and 26. Now listen, the Pauline image there, it's the same image as the psalm. It's the same image that the psalmist uses here. A snare master, a fowler, a crafty hunter has laid a trap for the righteous, seeking to entrap, entangle, and ensnare him. Gentle lambs, gentle lambs, are you aware that there is an adversary that would roar against you? even attempt to devour you who would eat you alive if he could. Are you aware? Beloved, listen, we better watch out. You better watch what you're doing, don't you know? The enemies of our soul are powerful. But hear me, please. It's not just that ranging, roaring lion that would threaten our souls. There's a crafty fowler who would entice and ensnare us, who with concealed traps would covertly capture us and ensnare us. The wicked, Solomon tells us, shall be holden with the cords of his own sin. Proverbs 5.22 And listen, often the snare of the fowler is a cord woven of sin. Paul warns Timothy, listen, he warns him, they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. 1 Timothy 6, verse 9. And do you see that image in your mind's eye? Do you see the Pauline evocation here? A trap, a snare, and it's by the water. And when the snare is sprung, the prey is snatched down into the water and drowned, killed. Beloved, listen, the power that would hunt our souls is crafty, and the snares that he lays are clever. We're very familiar with the analogy of Christians as sheep, as Jesus' little lambs. But listen, we are often portrayed as birds 
as well. When wise Solomon observes, surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, Proverbs 1.7, do you understand that that observation is not ultimately about the entrapment of game birds? Do you understand that? It's not a manual on fowling. David, the man after God's own heart, analogized himself as a bird. He wrote, In Jehovah put I my trust. How say you to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? Psalm 11, verse 1. In Psalm 84, the sons of Korah sing, My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even that altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will still be praising thee. Were those little sparrows blessed? Or was it the people of God that were blessed singing praises to God in that holy temple? There's a noble tradition of comparing the people of God to birds. Even our Savior did it. Remember? Are not two sparrows sold? For a farthing? And one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father. But the very heads of your hair are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. Matthew 10, 29-31 Beloved, listen. Not only are we sheep, we are sparrows. We are fowl. We are game birds. And in this world, for us, there are many concealed perils. For the fowler, listen, for the fowler to show himself or to spread his snare in the sight of any bird would be to defeat the very object he has in view, wouldn't it? So the fowler hides himself. He conceals his snares because an unconcealed snare is useless. It's vain. The prey detects it and avoids it. But the crafty hunter, the crafty hunter cleverly hides his entrapments and he springs them when his prey lacks vigilance, when his prey is unawared. Gotcha. Not only does the fowler conceal his snares, he conceals himself. In ancient Corinth, false apostles came to the church and they preached a false gospel. And the great apostle didn't see this as only an earthly phenomenon. He saw it as a satanic spiritual attack on the church of the living God. And concerning these deceivers, Paul wrote to the church and he said, They are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, 
For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. This is 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 through 15. An angel of light? Satan? Whoa. The fowler camouflages himself. He alters his appearance. He masks his scent. He holds his tongue, lest the bird detect his presence and fly away. He may hide in a blind and use a call that would sound like a bird. He may use decoys or grain or other enticements to lure the birds to their capture or death. Listen, he may look as slick as Joel Osteen and lure unsuspecting Christians into a false gospel where they would pursue riches and become ensnared by foolish and hurtful lusts which would drown them in destruction and perdition unless they're delivered from the snare of the fowler. Edward, are you saying Joel Osteen is a fowler? Yeah. Yep. The experienced screw tape writes the novice wormwood with millennia of experience in enticing and ensnaring humans. How long have you had to study us? Oh, I was there at the beginning. I knew your first daddy long, long ago. I know all about y'all. Beloved, the fowler does not snare all birds the same way. He scouts and he studies. He observes their likes and their dislikes, their weaknesses and their strengths. And he devises a custom-made snare. Crafted not with love, but with malice and evil intent, with hate. And he conceals the snare and he baits the trap. And friend, listen, that which tempts one man often has little attraction for another. But the adversary knows that. And saints, where would we be? Where would we be if not for our mighty Deliverer? The fowler is crafty indeed. How did he entice a devout Pharisee to persecute and waste the church of God? How did he do that? He convinced him that he was doing God's service. 
fulfilling the very prophecy of Jesus who had said that the time cometh that whosoever killeth thee will think that he doeth God service. John 16.2 And then a few chapters later in Acts. Thank God. Thank God that He delivered Saul of Tarsus from the snare of the fowler. Thank God. Do you know that professing Christians have been led into the cult of Mormonism because they were attracted to how family-oriented those folks seem to be? The crafter or the fowler is canny. The fowler is clever. The fowler is cunning. The fowler is crafty. The Puritan Thomas Brooks wrote, Satan loves to sail with the wind and to suit men's temptations to their conditions and inclinations. If they be in prosperity, he will tempt them to deny God. If they be in adversity, he will tempt them to distrust God. If their knowledge be weak, he will tempt them to have low thoughts of God. If their conscience be tender, he will tempt them to scrupulosity. If large, to carnal security. If bold-spirited, he will tempt them to presumption. If timorous or shy, to desperation. If flexible, to inconstancy. If stiff, to impenitency. Satan has snares for the wise and snares for the simple. He has snares for the hypocrites and snares for the upright. Snares for the generous souls and snares for the timorous souls. He has snares for the rich and snares for the poor. Snares for the aged and snares for the weak or for the youth. Happy, says Brooks, happy are those souls that are not taken and held in the snares that he hath laid. That's from his book, Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. I don't get to fish very much anymore, but I enjoy it. And I've fished a lot in my lifetime, just not a lot lately. And if you've ever game fished at all, you know how incredibly interesting, Chip, artificial fishing lures can be. It's, it's amazing. I used to have a variety of colors of plastic worms in my tackle box because a bass might not strike a red worm. And after a few casts, you'd change it and put on a green worm, first cast. Cast out again, and on the third cast, on the green worm, another strike. And often, breaking the code, figuring out what they're biting, well, that was the difference between a fish fry and an empty ice chest. And the clever fishermen 
The clever fisherman has a tackle box full of lures. And when he finds out what they're biting, he catches and he kills and he scales and he skins and he devours. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Beloved, listen, here's some good news. Here's some gospel news. God delivers His people from the snare of the fowler. He may deliver them, listen, He may deliver them from the snare by not allowing them to be ensnared by it. Or He may deliver them out of the snare. He may unentangle them and with His mighty arm rescue them out of the satanic trap. But beloved, listen, either way, either way, the Gospel according to Jonah stands. Salvation is of the Lord. Jonah 2.9 Now, if you've been a Christian any length of time... <laughs> then you've been delivered by your Savior both ways. He's warned you and showed you the evil and enabled you to hide yourself and avoid the snare. And when you haven't, when you've stepped right in it, when you've really messed up, He's untied you and pulled you out of the snare and freed you from the cords of your own sin. How can God deliver you? Well, He may keep you from the snare. Or He might give you supernatural strength Strength to break off the cords, snapping the snare. How did Joseph escape the seduction of Potiphar's wife? Like a bird, just as the snare was snapping, just as it was snapping, he fled, even leaving a feather in the snare, even leaving his garment in her hand. He escaped by the skin of his teeth. Was the strength of Joseph supernatural in that moment? Well, some men think so. God delivered Joseph from that snare. Consider Jonah. How was he delivered? Listen, the, the snare for Jonah was not the whale. The, the, the whale was the deliverance. The snare for Jonah was his hatred. And he was snared by his hatred when he went down to Joppa and booked passage to Tarshish to disobey the commandment of his God. But God sent a wind and God sent a tempest. And Jonah was cast 
into the deliverance of the Lord to a great fish. And Jonah was swallowed alive, consumed, eaten. And listen, if you'd been there, if I'd been there, you would have thought it was all over. But it wasn't. It wasn't over. Salvation is of the Lord. Jonah 2.9 and Jonah 2.10 reads, And Jehovah spake unto the fish, and it vomited Jonah upon the dry land. How did He deliver him? Jonah was delivered by God and made into an instrument of mercy and 120,000 people and a bunch of cattle were saved. Christian and hopeful were ensnared in the fowler's net. They strayed onto the grounds of Doubting Castle in giant despair, discovered them asleep on the castle grounds and took them captive, locking them in the dungeon without food or water or light. And they suffered mightily under the giant's torments. But Sunday morning, Sunday morning, just as the day was breaking, Christian realized that he had a key called promise on a chain about his neck. In his despair, he had forgotten all about it. And the turn of this key opened every door and every gate. And the pilgrims made their escape from Doubting Castle and fled back to the king's highway. They were delivered from the snare of the fowler. Now, Christian, if you're here today and you're cast down, do not despair. Even though the trap be sprung upon you, God can still deliver. The word of the Lord is, return, ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Jeremiah 3, 22. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. Christians, listen, let us fear the Lord. Commenting upon that verse, Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. Commenting upon that verse, the mighty Spurgeon said this, listen. A young lady who belonged to a church in the city of New York married a young man who was not a Christian. He was a merchant engaged in a lucrative business and the golden stream of wealth flowed in upon him until he had amassed a large fortune. 
He accordingly retired from his business and went into the country. He purchased a splendid residence with fine trees. They waved their luxuriant foliage about it. And there was a lake filled with fish and a garden full of rare shrubbery and flowers. The house was fashionably and expensively furnished. And they seemed to possess all of earth that any mortal could desire. Thus prospered and plied with an interchange of civilities among her gay and fashionable neighbors, the piety of the lady declined, and her heart became wedded to the world. And it is not to be wondered at that her three children, as they grew, imbibed her spirit and copied her example. A severe disease, it is said, demands a severe remedy. And that Almighty God soon applied. One morning intelligence came that her little son had fallen into the fish lake and been drowned. The mother's heart was pierced with affliction and she wept and murmured against the providence of God. Soon afterwards, her only daughter, a blooming girl of 16, was taken sick of a fever and died. It seemed then as if the mother's heart would have broken, but this new stroke of the rod of a chastening father seemed not to increase, seemed but to increase his her displeasure against his will. The only remaining child, her eldest son, who had come home from college to attend his sister's funeral, went out into the fields soon afterwards for the purpose of hunting. In getting over a fence, he put the gun over first to assist himself in springing to the ground. And when it accidentally discharged itself, it killed him. What then were that mother's feelings in the extravagance of her grief? She fell down and tore her hair and raved like a maniac against the providence of God. The father, whose grief was already almost insupportable, when he looked upon the shocking spectacle and heard her frenzied ravings, could endure his misery no longer. The iron entered into his soul, and he fell speedy victim to his accumulated afflictions. afflictions. From the wife and mother, her husband, and all her children were now taken away. Reason returned, and she was led to reflection. She saw her dreadful backslidings, her pride, her rebellion, and she wept with tears of deep repentance. Peace was restored to her soul. Then could she lift her hands to heaven, exclaiming, I thank thee, O Father, the Lord hath given The Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thus did her afflictions yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And her heavenly Father did chasten her, not for his pleasure, but for her profit, that she might be partaker of his holiness. So God delivered her out of the snare of the fowler, She started afresh in the ways of righteousness, serving her God with diligence and zeal and growing up in fear 
by trouble and trial, by some means or another, God will deliver His people out of the snare of the fowler, even if they are in it. Would you be so delivered? I hope not. But if you need it, I hope so. Sometimes I don't know how to pray anymore, but I just pray, Lord, have mercy. It's an easy prayer. Jesus of Nazareth, the Savior of the world, said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life. And I will raise Him up at the last day. John 6, verses 37 through 40. Beloved, listen, listen. We pray every Lord's Day, Thy will be done. God's will be done. We just prayed it moments ago. And according to our Savior, this is God's will. Did you hear that? According to our Savior, this is God's will. That Jesus should not lose even one of those that God has given Him. And Christian, listen, if you are ensnared, you cannot remain so. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. It is not possible that the fowler could capture and retain one for whom Christ has died. Surely, surely Jesus shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. Beloved, listen, let us commit this phrase to memory. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. The promise is precious because it is sure. Surely. Surely. Salvation is of the Lord. And all those whom the Father hath given the Son must be saved. God the Father hath determined that they shall be. God the Son hath sworn that they will be. God the Spirit assures that they are. None of God's people shall be cast away. Or else the Bible's not true. Surely He shall deliver us from the snare of the fowler. 
He that hath made his refuge God shall find a most secure abode. Shall walk all day beneath his shade and there at night shall rest his head. Then will I say, my God, thy power shall be my fortress and my tower. I that am formed of feeble dust make thine almighty arm my trust. Thrice happy man, thy maker's care shall keep thee from the fowler's snare. Satan, the fowler who betrays unguarded souls a thousand ways. Just as a hen protects her brood from birds of prey that seek their blood under her feathers, so the Lord makes his own arm his people's guard. If burning beams beams of noon conspire to dart a pestilential fire, God is their life. His wings are spread to shield them with a healthful shade. If vapors with malignant breath rise thick and scatter midnight death, Israel is safe. The poisoned air grows pure if Israel's God be there. What though a thousand at thy side, at thy right ten thousand died, thy God hath chosen, his chosen people saves amongst the dead, amidst the graves. So when he sent his angel down to make his wrath in Egypt known and slew their sons, his careful eye passed all the doors of Jacob by. But if the fire or plague or sword receive commission from the Lord to strike his saints among the rest, their very pains and deaths are blessed. The sword, the pestilence or fire shall but fulfill their best desires from sins and sorrows set them free and bring thy children Lord to thee please stand with me for prayer saints surely he shall deliver us from the snare of the fowler Please pray with me. Incomprehensible, great, and glorious God, I adore Thee and abase myself. I approach Thee mindful that I am less than nothing, a creature worse than nothing. My thoughts are not screened from Thy gaze. My secret sins blaze in the light of Thy countenance. Enable me to remember that blood, that blood which cleanseth all sins, to believe in that grace which subdues all iniquities, to resign myself to that agency which can deliver me from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. Thou hast begun a good work in me, and Thou alone canst continue and complete it. Give me an increasing conviction of my tendency to err and my exposure to sin. Help me to feel more of the purifying, softening influence of Thy grace. It's compassion, love, pity, courtesy. And employ me as Thy instrument in the blessing of others. 
Give me to distinguish between the mere form of godliness and its power. Between life and a name to live. Between guile and truth. Between hypocrisy and the true religion that will bear thy eye. If I am not right, set me right. Keep me right. And may I come at last to thy house in peace. In Jesus' name, amen.